freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. And Cheryl, we've been married over 31 years, is that right? That would be correct, sir. I've tried to figure out you all this time. And I've never been able to do yeah, it. Yeah, good luck with that. So I'm not even going to try to figure out today's theme. The <laughs> Constitution's curtain call at the conventions. So do you want to explain that to me? I would love to explain that to you. You, you, you think it needs explaining? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, all of our guests today, who you are going to introduce in just a moment, they are all passionate about protecting the Constitution. So I chose the theme the Constitution's curtain call at the conventions, because I think, honestly, after watching both the Republican and the Democratic conventions, that both parties like to parade the Constitution out. But I don't know that they love it, like our guests do. I don't think they truly rely on it and protect it from decay and destruction like our guests do. They treat it like not our guests, but the, the both of the, the political parties, I think they treat the Constitution like an abused circus animal. They bring it out when it benefits them, and then they shove it back in a dark cage until they need an audience again. So they bring it out, they let it take a little bow, and then back into its cage it goes. A curtain call, not to honor the Constitution, but to bolster the credibility of the person who's pretending to value it. Well, you know, the Constitution is, is used only when it's convenient for them. That's what I'm saying. But I got thrown off because, you know, you keep saying political party. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to change that because until it stops becoming a party, no one's going to get serious. <laughs> but um, I mean, seriously, well think about it. Well done, you. <laughs> yeah, it threw me off. I had other things to say, but then party, oh, party, okay, party. But really, until they, they're not going to be serious until they change that name. Yeah, and it's really frustrating to those of us who are honestly trying, like so many of our listeners, they're honestly trying to understand what direction we're headed in, what is causing us to move in the direction that we're headed in, what the politicians really mean when they get up there and start moving their their lips and throwing around kind of feel-good rhetoric, right? Or in the case of Donald Trump, where the the Democratic side wants to say that he doesn't have feel-good rhetoric, his rhetoric is dark. It's dark. It's scary. Well, it would be dark. It is dark and scary when you're wanting to attack the other side's ideas. Yeah. It would be scary. (laughs) Exactly. It's scary when I have to approach you when I want something that I know (laughs) you're going to say no to. So, of course, you're dark, right? Well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, the way that I see things, you know, I would say that they are showing how much they are 
fearing that he's giving some serious competition to their candidate. I, I almost think they would have been all the media outlets that I'm telling you, it was almost like word for word. So these supposedly independent media outlets out there who kept using the exact same words as each other, um, it might have been more effective for them to have maybe kind of yawned at the things that Donald Trump said instead of drawing attention to, you know, when they say it's dark, well, I say, <clears throat> pardon me, I say, okay, now I have to, because I didn't hear it when it happened. I didn't hear right. the speech when it happened. Um, but I just started seeing all these, these comments coming through my Facebook feed because I follow news outlets from both sides of the aisle, which that right there should give us cause for concern. Why do we have media outlets that when I was young would have just been called news, right? So you go there to figure, to, to hear the facts. So you can figure out for yourself what you think and what you feel about the, the facts that they gave you. Now you have news quote unquote outlets, which are really advocacy Right, they're directing us on how we're supposed to think instead of letting us make up our own mind. Yeah, and so I follow from both sides, and so I kept seeing all this, oh, it's so dark, it's so dark. Well, now you know I'm going to listen. Now I'm definitely going to tune in and see what he had to say. And uh, Well, I'm glad you're going to listen. Okay. Because you know what? We need to listen to the guests that we have come in on our show today. <laughs> all right. So we're going to run out of time. Hush up, young lady. Our first guest is Michael Meharry. He serves as a National Communications Director for the 10th Amendment Center, which is a nation's leading source for constitutional education and nullification activism, and whose motto, motto is, follow the Constitution, every issue, every time, no exceptions, no excuses. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Because then, I think where I was headed was, people really want to understand and so we try to we try to compare what's being said to what we read in the Constitution. Cheryl, I just wanted you Michael's to say going yes. To. <laughs> okay, just say yes. Okay, yes. All right, so we can continue Move on. Move along, with please. <laughs> <laughs> we have Kimberly Corbin. She's a mother, a sexual assault survivor, and Second Amendment advocate. One of the ladies who joined us on the DC Project, and you will recognize her voice as being in two of the new. NRA commercials. Yeah, that was a misplaced uh, giggle. I no, put it's not just a giggle. Then. I didn't. A... I didn't mean for that. No. I was still laughing about being told to shush. Definitely not laughing about uh, Miss Kimberly and, and uh, the journey that she's traveled. Um, she, I, and I love that she says, "I'm not a victim of sexual assault. I'm a survivor." Right. I love that. She's incredible. Yeah. Stick and, around for and her. And forgive me too, because I have a cough, and it sounds like a little bit of a laugh, but I have a little slight cough, but. On our second hour, we have Frank Miniter. He's an author and contributor to Forbes magazine, who re recently wrote an article about Operation Checkpoint. That is a very controversial. Operation what now? Choke Point. Choke Point. I said Checkpoint. I know you did. Well, maybe I thought I was going to Russia or something. <laughs> I don't know. But Choke Point. What is Operation Choke Point, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, here's a hint. His article is titled, How Anti-Gun Ideology is Cutting Off Money from Legal Businesses. We've been affected by that, so I'm very interested in hearing from that. We have Regis Giles. She is a creator and owner of GirlsJustWantToHaveGuns.com and is a leading voice for Second Amendment rights, self-defense, and conservation. Girls Just Want to Have Fun's goal is to motivate women all over the world to prepare themselves for any threat they may encounter. Did you say Girls Just Want to Have Fun? 
<clears throat> I think you did. I really did. I think you did. I got that song on my mind. <laughs> Girls just want to have, have guns. guns. Okay. We also have Captain Clay Higgins. Captain Higgins has become one of the nation's most influential cops. Regularly speaking to law enforcement agencies across America, Higgins is a strong advocate of what he calls the sacred oath of the badge. He has currently served as deputy marshal for the city of Lafayette, Louisiana, and has announced his intention to be elected to Congress. Earlier this year, he yeah. just um, made that statement. And I want to be sure that we, we ask him this uh, question because, you know, people usually say, oh, he's running for an office, right? He's running for con- uh, a seat in Congress. And I heard a speech that he made where he made it very clear that he he doesn't like the word running. And uh, he, he talked more about he is descending upon Washington. That's his intention. And so um, so I like that. I like uh, how he speaks. I like his word choice. He is no nonsense. But he is uh, he, he's got this this incredible strength but also this incredible softness towards God and towards his fellow officers. Uh, he uses the word love so often in his speeches, you know, love for his brothers and sisters. Um, and uh, I just, I think he's an incredible guy. I'm super excited that um, we're going to have him on the show today and talk to him a little bit about um, what he's thinking about all this anti-police rhetoric. I heard a couple of clips on the uh the YouTube, I guess the YouTube. The YouTube. And uh, I was very impressed. He's very a strong, strong person. Oh, about Cap- from Captain Clay yes. Higgins? Yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. Um, I think we're going to play a clip of his right before he comes on from America United. Actually, we have a minute now. Maybe we can just go ahead and play that now. Young, old, wealthy, poor, black, white, liberal, conservative. Every single one of us, first and foremost, is an American. And if you're listening to this message, and if you can agree on a basic premise I've just stated, then please lend me your ear for the next couple of minutes. If you can't even set aside your hate long enough to allow truth to speak to your heart, then by all means, step aside, child, and let the adults work. Step aside, child, and let the adults work. I cannot tell you how often that sentiment, if not those words, pass through my mind as I'm watching the stuff that takes place in the media and how people want to willingly and actively and purposely take a piece, a partial piece of a sentence that somebody has said, a politician or or you know somebody they want to to purposely mischaracterize and then they run off with it and they make everything about this one little piece where if maybe you just finished the sentence it would show you that all the energy that they're putting into uh painting ugliness over this person and their so, words so kind of like is, our first lie. kind of like our first 6 months of marriage <laughs> What? I'm confused. Wait, what just happened? Just, I would say something and you would kind of like. Oh, man. No. You are. I'm just playing. You are. That's because our desk is really wide and I can't reach you. Hey, so I said you're... the first six months. Okay. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, stick around because we have a huge show and uh, and, and Dan's here doing stand-up today, apparently. So <laughs> I'm sitting down, Cheryl. Anyway, stick around. We've got a, a wonderful lineup of guests to talk more about our topic, which is the Constitution's Curtain Call at the conventions. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your in. Hey, everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have some for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Start Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today that we're going to dive into in just a minute here is the Constitution's curtain call at the conventions. And speaking of the conventions, I mean, who else has convention fatigue I do. I've got to tell you because it it's work to listen to the words, listen to the rhetoric, try to engage in critical thinking and not just get swept up in whatever emotion they are hoping you're going to get swept up in. And uh, and then, of course, there's the chatter going back and forth on Facebook. And, you know, uh, it's it's easy to get wound up. It's easy to get um you know, divided with your friends. And I wanted to share with you um, our friend, uh, Lara Smith. She was on the show previously. She was one of the ladies who went uh, to Washington, D.C. with us. And she is a liberal Democrat. And um, I, for all intents and purposes, am a conservative Republican. So uh, sometimes her Facebook posts and mine wouldn't 
necessarily, you know, uh, support the other's view. And I just want to share with you this voicemail she left me this week. And I thought it was just the sweetest and most thoughtful thing. Hold on. Let me find the play button here. Looking for the play button. Maybe not. Maybe that's... Oh, there's. And I also want to reach out because I feel like our only contact lately has been Facebook and that in the election season has been very tough on people who don't have the same political views. I might just want to reach out and say how much I value having you in my life. And uh, I, even with our different views, um, I want you to know how much I appreciate you and how glad I am to have you as my friend. And I think more of us need to be saying that to each other. So I wanted to tell you that too. Give me a call back when you have a chance. I'm around today uh, on and off, but if I don't answer, I'll call you back. Yes, Cheryl, that was very sweet. And how can you have a, how can you have any kind of conversation if you can't be honest and talk about what you feel? And that's the and thing. you don't have to agree. Yeah, we don't have to agree to be to be friends. Um, the politicians would love it. They benefit, and the media benefits if we don't like each other because then we look to them to uh, help us to connect with what we believe in. So, anyway, I just wanted to encourage you all with Laura's ver- Laura's very sweet. Um, and timely thoughts. And now I want to introduce our next guest. Our, our first guest actually is Michael Meharry. Michael serves as the National Communications Director for the 10th Amendment Center, which is the nation's leading source for constitutional education and nullification activism. While the establishment, both the left and the right, continue to expand federal power, our goal at the, his goal at the 10th Amendment Center is to be very straightforward. Follow the Constitution. Every issue, every time, no excuses and no exceptions. Are you with us, Michael? I am. Can you hear me? I can. And I am just super excited to be able to bring you on because you really do have that that kind of laser light focus. Um, that it's all about the Constitution. So then with your mindset being so focused on that, I really want to hear you talk about how you hear what what you saw at the uh, at the conventions. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't really get terribly involved in national politics as a rule. So I'm kind of look at this, uh, I guess, objectively in some ways, because I don't really have a horse in this race. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I watched, we watched the last night of both conventions more for entertainment value than anything. <laughs> it, was, it was like Mystery, three, Mystery Science 3000 at our house, you know, it's running commentary. But um, I, it's, I wish I could be there. Invite me next time. <laughs> oh, it, it, oh, my wife is funny, too. She's a lot, she's a lot funnier than I am. <laughs> I, I tend to get mad and she just makes jokes. I love it. But I, I thought it was, it, you know, both conventions from a constitutional perspective were disappointing, uh, but not unexpectedly. I don't really think that people that are in national politics, uh, by and large, have a whole lot of concern for the Constitution other than, uh, you know, it's a prop mm-hmm. for the political theater that's going on at, at a given time, and, and both parties use the prop uh, differently. But nevertheless, it's still a prop. So in, in that sense, it was it was – you know, it was predictable, but but it's disappointing. And, you know, you, you kind of see from both sides where there isn't a whole lot of fidelity to the founding principles anymore. I think uh, I think 
Trump mentioned the Constitution once in his speech, and that was when he was talking about Supreme Court justices. And um, Hillary had some some really bad American history <laughs> at the beginning of her speech. So, you know, there, there was that. But, you know, to me, and this is because probably I come from the right. You know, that's my, my background. I came from a, a Republican uh kind of perspective and to me watching the republicans is more frustrating and more disappointing than watching the democrats i expect the democrats to to roll out their gun control and their health care and their education and all these unconstitutional things that they roll out but we're sold on this idea that the Republican Party is the party of limited government in the Constitution. You know, that, and that's that's how I grew up thinking. You know, that's why I was a Republican. I believe in limited government, so that's that's where I go. And to watch this entire convention hall cheer wildly when Ivanka Trump talked about national child care was just like it's like a dagger in the heart. You know, mm-hmm. it's, this is not constitutional and it's not limited government, and yet. Everybody is cheering, and I think it frustrates me more, like I say, because the Republicans at least play lip service to the Constitution. You know, Democrats don't even pretend to care anymore, but the Republicans, <laughs> they're still – maybe I should just give it up and, and, and divest myself of this this mentality. But that was really, really a, a poignant moment and, and kind of a frustrating moment for me to uh, to hear that kind of enthusiasm for – something that is so clearly not limited government and is so clearly outside of, of the realms of, of constitutional power. So that was kind of my perspective. You know, I, I watched the Democrats and, and I got all of the unconstitutional things that I expected and and I watched the Republicans and I got well, what I would have hoped I wouldn't have. Let's put it that way. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I did get to hear Hillary say Trump never read the Constitution. I don't know if that was Hillary who said that. That yeah. was one of their guests, I think, no, who held up his constitution. Hillary said that. Wow. Also. So at least that's yeah. what I thought. Maybe I was half asleep. <laughs> but you know what well, happens? I mean, people, politicians, they go in saying, I'm going to withhold the constitution. I'm going to do everything I can. And then they change. What? Why did they do that? I mean. I think there's two things. That there's, I mean. You know, I'm, I've never been in politics. I'm not speaking from experience, but from people that I've talked to, you know, there's a tremendous amount of pressure, especially when you get to the the high levels. You know, Congress, Senate, uh, certainly the president. There's there's a lot of pressure to conform to the party and to appease voters. And how do you do that? Well, you do it by promising stuff, and most of the stuff that they promise is unconstitutional. So so I think a, a sort of pragmatism works its way into the uh, into the mix. But I think the biggest problem, and it's not that they haven't read the Constitution, but they've never been taught the Constitution. And, you know, it's not that difficult, but you do have to do a little bit of study to understand some of the some of the phraseology and some of the clauses and you know, what is commerce and and what what do they mean by the general welfare and those types of things. And this education is totally lacking. You know, and it's especially lacking 
where it should be the most prominent, and that's in legal circles. You talk to a lawyer, they don't know squat about the original meaning of the Constitution, the ratification convention. They maybe have read the Federalist, but it's all court opinion. So they don't really even know. I mean, I think a lot of these people in their heart of hearts probably think, yeah, I'm I'm true to the Constitution, but, but they don't know. They don't realize just how limited that the, the federal government is really supposed to be. And so they go with the pragmatism. They go with the promises and 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 expanding the things that you know people think they want. And you know, here we are, what twenty one trillion dollars later in debt, and uh, there's there's no way to rein this in anymore. It seems like so. So I think it's a mix. It's pragmatism. It's the pressure and and the the desire for power that comes with being a politician. And then I think really. Uh, even more importantly, education and, and ignorance to what the limits of the federal government are really supposed to be. So I'm going to hold you over for another um, segment after we break for commercial. Um, you can stick around, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Um, but can you give us an idea? Like, suppose I'm, I'm sitting at home right now and I'm, I'm like, yes, Michael Meharry, I want to know more about the Constitution. I want to understand the the finer points. What what would you say to that person? How, where would you say they should go to learn more? Well, I would say first off, and you know, Chris, this is my organization, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I think we do a tremendous job at the Tenth Amendment Center teaching basic constitutional principles, and that's TenthAmendmentCenter.com. That's where I would go first. But even beyond that, I really would encourage people to read. And, and not read, you know, history books, but go and read, you know, the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions. Go and read the ratification debates. Read the Federalist Papers. Read these original sources. That's where you really start to understand. It. When you start seeing what the founding generation said, it's like, oh wow, this is amazing. I never knew this, and uh, I think that's that's key. And you can find where to find a lot of those sources over at the Tenth Amendment Center and, and also on my web, website, michaelmeharry.com. I actually have a Constitution 101 where I go over a lot of these basic uh, basic constitutional principles and, and clauses, and that's a good place to start. But don't take my word for it. Read those original sources. And see, I have a huge appreciation for people that use that sentence that you just did. Don't take my word for it. Because even even if I was the greatest scholar there ever was, what good is it for me to, to feed you baby bird style or for you to feed you know, our audience baby bird style? You don't you don't own it unless you've 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 done it for yourself. Do you agree? I agree. Absolutely. And this is we live in a wonderful, amazing time when we have access to all of this stuff. For free, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you would have had to go to a university library to access these letters, and you know, just just yesterday, I, I downloaded a, a copy of uh, John Taylor of Caroline's commentary on the Constitution he wrote in the uh, in the early 1800s, and you know, this is an amazing original source explanation of the Constitution. I downloaded it for free, and and I, I can read this and. Uh, you know, we have so much access to information if people would just take the time and the energy to do it because it does take it, – it's an amazing time we live in. And I think that's a one of the big positives that Absolutely. I see going forward. People are, are learning to educate themselves. Absolutely. It, it, from your lips to God's ears on that one. So, all right, stick around because we are going to come back after commercial and continue our conversation with Michael Meharry of the 10th Amendment Center. And he's going to tell us a little bit about well, what does that even mean, the 10th Amendment Center, right after this. 
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. It's sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And if you email us or give us a call, we'll send you a pocket constitution free. So, Absolutely. That's a great idea, Dan. Um, so you can go to our website, which is uh, gunfreedomradio.com, and, and message us there or on Facebook or Twitter. Um, we'd love to do that because we have plenty of them we we keep them with us pretty much all the time everywhere we go um so welcome back to the show and we are excited to be talking with michael meharry uh who is the uh, national communications director of the 10th amendment center so michael tell us what does that even mean because most people don't just go oh 10th amendment that's the uh i don't know (laughs) Right. <laughs> so, I, I've I've had you know it's I, I had a, a a woman in South Carolina. I was at a conference down there, and we were in the lobby of the got to talking to this woman, and she's running for Congress. Okay, and uh, I, she was asking you know what I did, and I was telling her I was the uh, the national communications director for the Fifth Amendment. She goes, Oh, which one is that? <laughs> I'm like, You're running for Congress, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, this. I think this, it's the one is, after the ninth, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the one you really need to know. Um, but the, you know, the tenth amendment actually goes hand in hand with the ninth amendment, and they're what we call rules of construction. And so, in other words, the Constitution would be exactly the same if the ninth and tenth amendment didn't exist. The reason that we have the ninth and tenth amendment is that the uh, folks that were a little bit skeptical of uh, ratifying the Constitution insisted on a Bill of Rights. And they wanted to make it emphatically known 
that the federal government that they were creating was meant to be limited. So they added this Ninth and Tenth Amendment, which basically, as a rule of construction, it tells you how to read the Constitution. And the Tenth Amendment basically just says that any the any power that wasn't delegated to the federal government remains with the states and the people. So if you go to Article One, Section Eight, and you don't find the power for Congress to do something, then in all likelihood, it's actually something that should be done at the state level. So when the federal, when the Constitution doesn't mention anything about uh, education or you know healthcare or any of these things, then that means that they rightfully belong in the purview of the states. And the Ninth Amendment goes along with that because they were afraid that when they uh, when they created the Bill of Rights and they, they laid out these specific things that the federal government could not infringe on, so the, the freedom of religion, the right to keep and bear arms, uh, you know, the right to a jury trial. They were afraid if they listed some of these rights that people might perceive, well, the federal government can infringe on all the other rights that they didn't list. And the Ninth Amendment basically just says no. The, the federal government is limited. It can only do what was explicitly delegated to it, and it must stay out of the business of – the things that the states and the people are supposed to have the authority over. So, and you say healthcare is not one of those in the Constitution? <laughs> I haven't found it yet, and I've read the Constitution a lot of times, and and yeah, I, I can't find that one. I, you know, it's interesting because people that have that have actually tried to count. Obviously, you can't just look at Article One, Section Eight. There's other powers that are scattered throughout the Constitution, but depending on how you count, there's really only like twenty between 20 and 25 specific powers that are delegated to the federal government. So virtually everything is supposed to be done at the state and local level. And you know, Madison put it this way in Federalist 45. He said the powers delegated to the federal government by the proposed constitution are few and defined, and those which remain with the states and the people are numerous and indefinite. That's the structure we're supposed to have. And really, if you think about it, that's, that's the kind of structure that makes sense. Why would you want a monopoly controlling everything. You know, you don't want that in groceries and you don't want that in, in hardware stores. Why in the world do you want monopoly government? And I've started to call it governopoly because because that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. And progressives are the worst. They're the ones that would scream the loudest about, you know, Walmart having too much market control. And, and then yet they're screaming loudest for everything to be centralized in, in one government system in Washington, D.C. And, and I think it's, you know, I think it would be dangerous if Walmart was the only uh, place I could get my groceries, and I think it's dangerous if Washington D.C. is the only place I can get my government. So the mm. government doesn't want the public to have monopolies, which we understand, but they want to have a monopoly. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was reading the other day. Um, the uh, the Department of Justice is suing uh, several of the big insurance companies, Humana, Aetna. I can't remember. There's there's basically four of them, and they want to merge into two different companies. And uh, the Department of Justice was like, you know, this is going to uh, this is going to create too much market control for these these insurance companies. And it's going to be bad for consumers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like thinking to myself, these are the same people that want a single payer, one government health care system. Yeah. So I hope they remember that when when that comes up again. I'm going to bring it up. Would, would <laughs> Mike, you please? Yeah, Michael, how do they how do they get away with that? How do they get away with uh, breaking the Constitution? Well, we let them. Mm-hmm. But, you I mean, our federal, our, our Supreme Court judges ruled that what Obama did with health care was okay. Now, of course, right. they're appointed by him, so I guess they're going to agree with him. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, if you really think of the—to uh, the, to depend on the Supreme Court to 
be the, the <coughs> final protector of your rights and, and to put limits on the federal government is rather absurd because the Supreme Court is part of the federal government. They're federal employees. They're politically appointed lawyers. You know, their, their paycheck says federal government on the top of it. So basically when, when you do that, you're saying, you know, it's like the investigated the, the government investigated the government and determined the government <laughs> didn't do anything wrong. So Yeah, we've seen some of that going on lately. So, you know, when when the system's working as it as it's supposed to, then then the three branches are supposed to be a check on each other, and, and to some degree, you know that that has worked throughout history. But there comes times when all three of branches of government conspire to uh, usurp power, and and they do it together. And, and Madison talked about this in the in his report of 1800, which is a kind of a defense of the Virginia Resolutions, which was a, a defense of the state's power to interpose. And and so that's really what we get down to at the Tenth Amendment Center, as far as as strategy and as far as uh, our our legislative work is how can states serve as a check on federal power. And that's how it was intended all along, and people don't realize that. They think of the checks of just being the the legislative and the judicial and the executive branches, but the, the check was also supposed to be the states. And the states have a powerful check on federal power simply by not cooperating. You think about Obamacare. What if the states basically just said, we're not going to do anything to implement this, federal government implement it yourself? Well, they don't have the, the uh, uh, resources to do that. They don't have a, you know, they don't have insurance commissions at the federal level. They depend on the states to do all of this stuff from gun control to health care to EPA regulations. They depend on the state and local governments to enforce and implement their programs. Simply by saying no, the federal government has extreme amount of power and they just need to learn how to use it. And that's, you know, that's what it gets down to. And People need to care about the Constitution and quit saying, well, you know, I really like this program, so I'm going to go ahead and, and give these people a pass on this one. Mm. But I'm going to complain when the bad guys mm -hmm. over here do something. You can't do that. You've got to be consistent down the line. So, you know, if you want the, the federal government to protect your gun rights, then you also need to make sure or not to infringe on your on your right to keep and bear arms. Then you also need to make sure that the federal government's not infringing on people's right to, uh, you know, to right to privacy in terms of search and seizure. And sometimes you start seeing, well, you know, it's OK for the government to spy on us because terrorism, but it's not OK for the federal government to take my guns. Well, just be consistent. Mm hmm. No cherry picking for what you like or your your pet project. Right. right. Exactly. Well, OK, so you you agree and and support states' rights. And then we have this this document that says, you know, Second Amendment. It's a part of the federal document of the Bill of Rights. Right. It says that, you know, shall not be infringed, all of that. But yet here we have California that is just about to do away with everything gun related and how how is that okay for the people that live there but don't agree with what got voted in and want to point to the bill of rights and say wait a minute the the federal government says that i have the rights how how do how do all those things come together for somebody well, that understands all of this a little bit better like you do this is where Especially for for people who are are very strong advocates of the right to keep and bear arms, this is where I suddenly become very unpopular, because <laughs> I don't believe that the federal government that we should want the federal government to try to enforce 
its conception of rights on the states. Now we can look at it, you know, we think, oh man, we'll just if we can just get the federal government in there and, and just shut down all this bad stuff California is doing. I so much sympathize with that. But when you give the power the federal government to do that, you give it the power to to control everything. And so the bigger danger to me is the centralized power, the centralized authority. And people will say, well, well, Mike, this is not right that, that California is, is infringing on people's right to keep and bear arms. And I say, I absolutely agree with you. But they need to deal with that at their state level, through their state constitution, through their state <clears throat> legislatures, through the state functions that they have, and not go and rely on the, the federal government to come in and play, uh, play sheriff on the white horse. And here's the analogy that I give, because people will say, well, you know, that's, that's not right. People would never want the UN to come in and try to enforce rights on the federal government. So people say, well, what do you do when the state oversteps its bound? What do you do when the state violates these rights? Well, you do the same thing you do at the federal level when the federal government does this. You know, you don't run to a world government. You have to work through the constitutional system and through the uh, various uh, executive judicial legislative branch at the federal level. You don't go to a higher level. There's no higher level. Well, I'm saying make the state that high level. And if it's really that bad in California, move. You've mm -hmm. got 49 other states you can go to. And that's the beauty of a diverse, decentralized system. When one state's really bad, you can leave. And a lot of people are leaving, you know. So, you know, that's where I stand. I believe that the biggest threat to liberty is centralized power and centralized authority. And so, I'm going to take the risk that states might and will, because they do, violate my rights. I'm going to work at the state level instead of empowering the federal government more and further centralizing the system. Wow, that is awesome. Well, we I know we're going to have to have you back on again because every time, I, the second time I've had you on, I leave with more questions because you just open up my mind to thinking about things, and I really appreciate it. Um, so tell us again, how do people find you and find the Tenth Amendment Center so they can learn more themselves. All right. Well, you can find me at michaelmaharry.com, and it's all spelled together, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y.com. It's my personal website. I have a podcast that I do once a week. I've got my Constitution 101. You can buy my book. I really appreciate that because it helps me uh, pay my bills. Uh, so a lot of personal stuff there, and, and, and there's a lot of crossover between my website and what we do at the 10th Amendment Center. And then 10thamendmentcenter.com, all spelled out, uh, everything that you need to know about the 10th Amendment and about what we're actually doing practically to limit the power of the federal government in places that you can get involved. We've got model legislation you can download and give to your state representative and your state senator. Uh, we've got you know articles that we're publishing on a daily basis with information. And uh, we would love people that, that are passionate about the Constitution and about uh, limiting the role of the federal government to become members. That kind of helps us to do our work. So you'll find all of that there at the 10th Amendment Center website, and uh, we appreciate anybody coming over. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. I appreciate you guys. You guys are doing great work out there. Thank you so much. All right. Well, stick around because after this break, we are bringing on a friend of mine, Miss Kimberly Corbin. She was one of the ladies who went on the DC project with us. And you might recognize her voice as being one of the two new NRA commercials out there. Stick around. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. 
Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at PottyGoldEstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are so glad you're here with us today. We want you to invite you that if you've missed any part of this show or any other show that you want to listen back on, please be sure and check out our website. It is gunfreedomradio.com. And you click on the On Demands tab. We also have a tab there labeled Guests. You can see uh, pictures of everybody that we've ever interviewed. Because sometimes you want to put a face with a voice, right? Uh, and, and a bio on everybody that we've interviewed. And speaking of putting a face to a voice, you probably have seen this uh, next our next guest face on a couple of the new NRA commercials. We are about to uh, introduce Miss Kimberly Corbin. She is a mother, a sexual assault survivor, and a Second Amendment advocate. And she also joined us on the DC Project recently. Are you with us, Miss Kimberly? Hi, Anne. Can you hear me? Okay. I can. It's a little scratchy, but that's all right. That's that's part of live radio, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's better. Okay. So. Um, I was so excited to to get to share the DC uh, project with you. You and I were on the same team. We called it teams just because we wanted to group people together and and uh, gave us a chance to kind of visit with other states' legislators. And so I was excited that we were on the same team. So um, tell us a little bit about what you thought of our our first journey into DC. So I was. Uh oh. Uh oh. Lean in. Well, maybe it's not going to work. I don't think that's going to work. I'm not hearing you. Um, 
Well, I will go on to say that uh, we got to visit, she's from Colorado, and uh, we got to visit with um, a couple of her legislators. And, you know, Colorado's pretty good, right? You know, Arizona, we get to be treated like adults. So it was kind of, you know, one experience to go and visit with uh, Congressman uh, Trent Franks and Senator Jeff Flake, um, because we don't have much that we, you know, need to, to ask for. Did you have a question, Dan? Yeah, well, you said Colorado was pretty good. Well, they're pretty good because they got rid of two people that were trying to take their guns away mm-hmm. and delivered a clear message that you don't take our guns away. Don't take our rights away. Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things is that that is so new, so fresh that that happened, uh, that, you know, some some anti-gun legislators were, you know, doing what they were trying to do, and they got voted out very quickly and very handily. So why then was it a, is it a winning platform for the Democratic Party to talk about for all these months doing whatever they can to undermine our second amendment rights and even a sheriff that was in that in colorado said that he wasn't going to enforce the laws anyway yeah so what does that kind of message is that sending yeah we're not going to enforce the law we've we've got rid two of your your uh, political people so all right i think she's back with us are you with us yeah i'm hoping this works a little bit better i've got Uh to kind of zone here it's okay i pretended like i was you for a while (laughs) oh it's it's a little it's a little deeper but that can work (laughs) yeah oh my goodness that would be horrible i would not let him do that to you okay so we we were about to talk about um how what was your experience while we were in dc what did you think of the trip well that's not working either dad gum it i guess i'll do it again well it was hot (laughs) It was good, but it was hot. <laughs> and then I get a little... How frustrating. Okay, try again, Kimberly. Okay, I'm so sorry. It's, it's got to be the service of my house. But um, no, it was a really eclectic group of women. And it was awesome to see that the, no one would walk by and think, oh, well, they're here for a 2A rally. Mm-hmm. It was just such, such a great group. And everybody had a different background. The reason that they were there, but we were all Absolutely. And and I like that what you said, and I, I think we might have lost you again. So whatever tile that was in your house that you were standing on where we could hear you, please go back there. Um, my house can be like that, too. Um, but we liked the idea that I don't know if we liked it. Maybe that's the wrong word, but we're like a sneak attack and we don't mean to be a sneak attack, but nobody knows that we exist. We're just right. n- normal moms. We're normal. I'm a grandma, right? So I, try again. I think they're, they're you're normal people, but uh, you're a threat to a lot of the people that are trying to take our guns away. That's the issue. And, and why would you say a threat? Because you don't agree with what their beliefs are. So again, you're a threat. Well, yeah, just on, on surface level, whatever we looked like or sounded like or what our background was, I, you're, I agree with you. They would see us as a threat. But um, when you said that, what I thought of is all of the, you know, the Moms Demand Action Group, which are part of the Bloomberg Everytown for Gun Safety group. 
And so they, they try to paint it like, oh, every town. So everybody, right, believes this way, that guns are bad and, and the individual people aren't responsible enough to own them. And then moms, they just group all moms together that uh, if, you're, if you've given birth, if you have a child, that you should therefore naturally agree with their common sense, quote unquote, um, gun legislation. And yet here we are. We are just every woman. We are just normal moms and grandmas and business owners. And some of us aren't even moms. And yet we do value our Second Amendment rights for a variety of reasons. Right. And, you know, I've been tagging along here for about a year now with you on this and listening to a lot of people talk, hearing a lot of stories. And, you know, I'm finding most of the people that are on the other side switch after they become a victim. And that's mm. so sad mm. that it took a mm-hmm. bad thing to happen. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying to the people on the other side, educate yourself. Just just go shoot with somebody. Go f- see what it's like to shoot a firearm. Go see what how much fun it is to learn about the firearm mm-hmm. and to be educated properly mm-hmm. so that you don't have to be a victim. To change. Absolutely. And that is one of the things that um, when Diana Muller, uh, who thought this whole idea up about the D.C. project, she was kind of in in what if mode. And this is back in December of last year. And she's like, you know, what if I could talk to all the legislators because I hear all these lies on TV and, you know, the whole Bloomberg, every town and common sense and all of that. And it's such a mis represented idea about who gun owners are, why we want our, our rights for, to, to own guns and all that sort of thing. So she's like, what if I could talk to the legislators and I could just go to Capitol Hill in Washington? And then she's like, but I'm just one person. So then I'll just, I'll try to get one woman from each state and they'll talk to their own legislators and form relationships. And that's how the DC project came about. And this is in eight months we put all we put all this together. Really, Diana and put all this together. But um, and Juliana Crowder from A Girl and a Gun uh, was working with her to kind of reach out to people. And so, but part of what Diana wants to do is to invite the legislators to to go shooting, just like you said. Just come on out to the range with me. Now this is in D.C. <laughs> so sometimes I have to drive across the river to go to, to Virginia where uh, they get to be treated a little bit more like adults there uh, with their gun laws. And um, and so she actually has an opportunity, Diana Muller does, to go uh, hunting actually with one of her senators that she talked with uh, while we were in D.C. this past July. So I think it's in September. She's going to go hunting. And I mean, that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't started forming relationships with her legislators. It's right. such I, a foreign concept to us. Right. I think that if it's a, you'll be a rare occasion where you take somebody that's never shot a gun, take them shooting, and you teach them well, and don't just go with the biggest gun, but you teach them as though if you were taking a young person to shoot. I, very few of them change, you know, they, they change their ways. They start thinking about guns as, more of a hobby, fun, and uh, a tool to protect themselves rather than this, ooh, this is a villain. I mean, we had an event at our store a couple weeks ago where we invited two chambers to come to our store. Chambers of Commerce. Right, Mm -hmm. and the 
they came through the gun shop to go to our auction site, which is a bigger hall and a lot of room. And there was a few people that looked at the guns. They had to walk past the guns, and they were terrified. Mm. It's, it's like they were afraid that one of these guns were just going to point at them and shoot. I know. And it's it was like, so sad. Okay, so give me 10 minutes, mm-hmm. just 10 minutes to talk to you, mm-hmm. and then let's go out, and, and, and then now we'll shoot. And mm-hmm. then after shoot, we'll talk about it some more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no reason to be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's, that's the thing. If, if you own guns and you're carrying a gun and you become a victim, you're not going to get rid of your guns after that. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that happening. Mm-hmm. But yet I've seen people that don't like guns mm-hmm. become a victim and go, you know what? I have to protect myself. No one else is going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, when I take my daughter and my wife with me, I have armed security for free, <laughs> and they're both responsible. I feel confident that both both of them could control a situation that, and and I would be protected. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of feeling is that? Right, but even again, you know, some people have the wrong concept of those of us who carry. We're still going to be sure that you know we're not uh, presenting our firearm or firing our firearm unless. We, one of us, if somebody is physically threatened, and that is our only other option. So that's that's something to keep in mind as well. All right. Well, we are going to run to commercial. And when we come back, we have our second hour of Gun Freedom Radio and uh, several other really cool guests that you're not going to want to miss out on. We have Frank Miniter, a Forbes writer. We have the creator of Girls Just Want to Have Guns. And we have Captain Clay Higgins, one of the toughest sheriffs in America. Stick around. Come on back. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. 